Welcome to the Kids Corner, where we explore sensory processing, development, and play with purpose as it pertains to eating, sleeping, playing, and growing. On this podcast, we will educate you on the lesser-known topics, give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice, and provide resources for families and caregivers. We are your hosts. I'm Bean, the co-founder of Reu and a recovering paraplegic. And I'm Nancy, a kinesiologist specializing in pediatrics, facilitating learning and development through movement and play therapies. Today we're going to be talking about the Therasuit and the Therasuit method. It'll be Nancy and I, and we brought on one of our staff members, Brooklyn Jansen. So welcome, Brooklyn. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, thank you for joining us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I graduated in 2020 with a degree in a Bachelor of Kinesiology from the University of Alberta. I did my practicum placement at the Reu. After that, I kind of got into working full-time as a neuroexercise specialist. Since then, I have had just an interest in neurorecovery, and also I hope to work with pediatrics in the future. So Today we're talking a little bit about the Therasuit method. I've tried it myself, so it'll be exciting to get a little bit more of an in-depth knowledge about it, as well as I see Nancy working with the kids with it all the time. So just kind of picking her brain as to why she does what she does. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, let's. I guess let's start at the beginning. Nancy, what is the Therasuit origin and how did it even come to be? Yeah, so the background story about the Therasuit is actually kind of a unique one. So it was born out of necessity. So there was two physiotherapists. They had had a daughter named Kaya. She was born with cerebral palsy. So they were living in Poland at the time, and they were trying every therapy they could for their daughter, and they weren't seeing the gains that they were necessarily looking for. They wanted more, and they were seeking more. So they were the spearheaders of creating the Therasuit. So it was actually based off of space science or space research. So astronauts, interestingly enough, were a lot of the push for this suit. So the Therasuit itself helps give some missing pieces to what they found with a lot of these kiddos. So there's three different components that are really key for growth and development. So the eyes, the vestibular, and the proprioception. So the visual, vestibular, and proprioceptive. So the vestibular is your ears. So we say eyes, ears, proprioception, and proprioception is where your body is in space. So those three components are are really huge to growth and development. One that usually is, unless you have a cortical visual impairment, so CVI, is usually always there in some capacity. But what we found is missing was the vestibular and proprioception. So if you think about a large number of those kids have limited mobility, So where are they going to get the vestibular input from? A lot of kids, when they develop typically, so we look at the neurotypical developing infant, they roll, they move, they rock, they swing under their own accord. So when you're unable to do that yourself, you have a lack of input from those two systems of the vestibular and proprioception. So this is talking now a lot about the different senses and why does an astronaut thrive with the absence of gravity and that amount of stimulus. So they were looking at the astronauts in the beginnings of the space race back in oh the 50s and 60s, they were coming back down to Earth and having a lot of trouble, you know, reacclimatizing to gravity into Earth. So then that's where a lot of this technology really started to um, accelerate and they created spacesuits. So the spacesuits really helped 
regulate the astronauts so they coming back down to earth they didn't have as much trouble so if you ever look at a lot of the old documentaries of astronauts coming back down to earth they had to be carried off they couldn't walk off under their own steam or on their own power because their systems were just so dysregulated they were unable to unless they had the intensive rehab after learn to walk and move against the gravity forces again so the spacesuits helped eliminate some of that. Obviously, they have a lot of fancier technology now, and they have, you know, actual workout equipment and different programs they put their astronauts through while they're up in space. So the acclimatization back down to Earth is much smoother of a process. So the astronauts really influenced a huge part of this um, suit therapy, as it's called. But the Therasuit is one part of the suit therapy. So there's a whole bunch of different kinds of suits, but this suit was created specifically from two parents who had a daughter diagnosed with cerebral palsy and they wanted the best for her so they created that suit to fill in some of the gaps that they were starting to see based on their research and their knowledge as physiotherapists. That's really cool. Every time you tell that story it just like it's super cool. So like what kind of recovery did their daughter see? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So by the time she was 10, and so the, the Therasuit itself, it, I guess I can just kind of describe it a little bit more as we go, but the Therasuit is a vest, shorts, knee pads, shoes, there's also elbow pads, and there's a hat. So for those with less head control and are more hypotonic, there's definitely more supports there. And then there's little bungee cords that attach to little hooks on the vest and the shorts and the knee pads to the shoes as well. And it hooks and it kind of works along the line of pull of the muscle. So as long as you know kind of the basic anatomy of the, where muscles go, you can help activate that muscle underneath. It doesn't replace those muscles, it helps activate them. So when you activate those muscles by that deep, appropriate receptive input. So when you think about an elastic band, the more you stretch it, the more input you're giving to that elastic band. And the more input you give, the more it's going to resist that pull, right? So if you think about stretching an elastic band out really, really long, there's more and more tension, right? So the more tension you have, the more input that elastic has to resist that stretch or to activate that muscle, if that makes sense. So that Therasuit, then they created it and they started using it with Kaya, their daughter. And by the time she was 10, she was walking and she was talking. She spoke two languages, just being a bilingual family. And she was looked, you know, pretty much like any other kid. I mean, obviously there was a few um, deficits here and there, but she was a very, very functional child, which was like amazing, especially for back in the day, right? So she was born late 80s to early 90s. I don't remember the date specifically, but very much ahead of their time in terms of the design of the suit. Mm -hmm. Is there any electricity involved in the suit? No, no, there's no external stimulation of any kind, no battery powers or anything like that. It is a stiffer material, so the suit is a little bit more rigid, so it gives a little bit more feedback just through the material of the suit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's all just elastic bands, so to speak, and just that line of pull that creates the input to the person wearing the suit. Cool. Brooklyn, have you tried the suit on? I actually, yeah, I did. I got the opportunity to try it on when I was a practicum student. As soon as I had it pressing up against me, I felt my face get a little bit flushed and I immediately felt the impact of having those muscles and that proprioceptive input while I was walking around, I did a couple jumps, and it was a very different feeling, and actually quite calming, oddly enough. 
That's interesting because when I had it on, I've had it on a num number of times, but the last time I had it on, I just felt so overwhelmed and I really had like, I felt my heart rate jack up and I felt my blood pressure go up and I just really had to focus on breathing because it like kind of straightened me out where I'm asymmetrical and it just was very sensory overload to my brain. But I think it's really cool how this works differently on different people. And it's amazing how it's helped so many of our little kiddos. I will actually ask you something, Nancy. You were saying that when you pull that elastic band really tight, you're increasing that proprioceptive input down that one line. I just wanted to ask, uh, is more proprioceptive input always better? Uh, good question. And with who? Who benefits from that high input? Mm -hmm, for sure. So it's different for everybody. So a lot of the time when we put the suit on initially, it's just the suit itself. Because putting the suit on, it increases your blood pressure. Um, so if you think about a lot of the dysregulation that comes with having a sensory processing disorder like cerebral palsy. So let's back it up to reflexes. So the moral reflex specifically is going to be your marker for how well somebody's going to handle wearing the Therasuit. So mm -hmm. the moral reflex, for those of you who don't know, is basically how you interpret your environment around you. So your external environment and your internal environment. So we have a lot of different senses that play into this reflex. So you have your visual, your auditory, your tactile, your taste, which doesn't play too much into this unless they're chewing on it, <laughs> and your, your smell, right? And then we have the interoception, the proprioception, vestibular. So there's so many different components for the moro that can be elevated and cause that rise in blood pressure because it's your fight or flight response. Response, right so if you put on the suit and you see that quick flush of the face to being very red it's because you're now impacting the proprioceptive system which was very dysregulated now and you're giving a lot of input just by placing that suit on them so you're going to be reading the child as you do different things some might even just balk at the visual sight of the suit mm -hmm. because some people have negative experiences with different things and you don't know the child coming to you, you might have not have the whole history of do they not like wearing a winter coat do they not like tight clothing mm -hmm. so those are all going to impact the ability to put the suit on even but that being said you can work up to it right it's slow introductions right you put it on a sibling you put it on a mom and dad and you put it on a doll right so there's always other ways to be like I'm going to demonstrate this is what it's going to look like this is what it's going to feel like let them play with it let them touch it so there's always ways to introduce them to the suit if you know the suit's going to be beneficial for them so anybody who's hypertonic or hypotonic may benefit from it we'll just go through a few of the benefits of the Therasuit itself mm -hmm. so it gives you that deep proprioceptive input it can help to retrain, reprogram, repattern neuromuscular pathways. It can help normalize muscle tone. So this is one we have to be careful of a little bit because it's not a magic switch. It happens through reflex integration and through that reprogramming or repatterning of those neuromuscular brain pathways. Mm -hmm. It can help restore the center of gravity. So if you think about the tonic labyrinth reflex, so if you've ever seen a child who's a toe walker and has a really hard time coming down onto their heels, their center of gravity is actually in front of them. It's outside of their body. So what the Therasuit can do is we can help give them abdominal muscles and bring them back down onto their heels and we can bring that center of gravity back inside their body. So that's when we say that restore that center of gravity. It can also help with influencing the vestibular system, right? So it can help you get your balance. It, it relates very much to that center of gravity as well. 
It can help activate postural muscles. So oftentimes the first muscles we put on are going to be the trunk um, axial loading muscles. So it gives you the your back extensors, your abdo- abdominal muscles. And it's just a simple, I guess what I consider like the basic like five muscles. So we give you a little bit of an X on your front that helps activate your rectus abdominis, your rhomboids in the back. So that's between your shoulder blades, it pulls your shoulder blades into a better posture, which helps align your head, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about a slump forward with your shoulders, your head's going to be forward protruding. So when we pull the shoulders back, your head and chin naturally want to come back in line a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then your back extensors, we kind of do another back X on the back. So those are kind of the basic five that help just align that posture. That being said, if you have something like scoliosis, we'll go into the contraindications a little bit later, but if you have mild scoliosis, we can actually help activate the weaker side. So if you think about a C-shaped curve Mm -hmm. in your thoracic spine, we can actually help correct that a little bit with a pull of a stronger pull on one side versus the other. So you might not do an X on your back, you might do two lines going down your back. So you'll be have one that's less and one that's more. So the C-shaped side mm-hmm. or the convex side would have a bigger pull to help activate those muscles underneath. So remember we said we're not replacing the muscles. So if the muscles aren't there, we can't activate them. But if the muscles are there, we can help activate them. So those are just a few of the benefits. I mean, there's ones where it can help if for ch- children who are already walking. You can improve their gait, you can improve their balance, their coordination, just because it's giving you all the input you've been missing. So a child who's not able to, say, walk on their heels, you can give them the input to walk on their heels. It basically gives them a better understanding of how their body's moving because they're getting a lot of the forces. So if you think about walking through water, right? Your balance is going to be a little bit off and you're going to be struggling a little bit. But as you start pushing into the water, you get stronger, you feel more stable, Mm -hmm. and you actually have to work harder. So the suit makes you work harder. But the nice thing is, after you take the suit off, there is actually a lasting effect. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, initially, there's not going to be as much carryover. And it's going to be different for every child, Mm -hmm. right? So I've seen kids who have that initial carryover that, you know, only 20 minutes. But that's an amazing 20 minutes of the brain has been learning and now you have that carryover. And the more you put on the suit and the more you work with it, the longer the carryover goes. And that kind of brings us into how long can we wear the TheraSuit for? And I mean, I typically in a session do it to the tolerance of the child. They're going to let you know when they've had enough, especially when you start loading with muscles. You know, you might have it on for five minutes for a child with muscles, or you might have it on for the full hour. I have some kids who just love the TheraSuit, and they'll have it on for the whole session. But realize, the harder you make a child work, the lower their tolerance is going to be. Mm-hmm. And work can be hard in two different capacities. It can be hard physically, and it can be hard mentally. And when you're doing both, your threshold is going to drop dramatically. Yeah, fair. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely sounds like a really versatile method with lots of different benefits. Which conditions and which ages do you find see the most benefit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me just clarify a little bit. So the TheraSuit itself is a tool. The TheraSuit method is something that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So why don't I jump into a little bit about what the TheraSuit method is? Because it's a specific, I guess, therapy protocol that they created to help the kids and it's a, and it's an intensive treatment as well. So we'll just dive into that a little bit before I go and talk about who the TheraSuit would um, be good for. That's all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. 
Cool. So the Therasuit method itself has a few different components. So the Therasuit designed, like I said, as an intensive therapy. So you're meant to come, you know, for two to three weeks and you work hard for, you know, every child's different again, but that kind of two to four hours a day and you basically reprogram and repattern the nervous system to get those big functional gains. Um, what that can look like for different kids, it can be standing, it can be postural control, it can be walking. So it's going to be something different, but you're usually working towards a gross motor milestone. So from there, each session will typically look very similar for the Therasuit method. So it's typically starting with some form of uh, muscle preparation, and that can look very similar to massage. You're prepping all the muscles, especially for those kids who are more hypertonic. You, you'll do a lot more muscle preparation than you will for a child who is more hypotonic. They don't necessarily need as much because your aim for that muscle preparation aspect is to basically open up those muscles to be ready to receive the input you're going to start giving them with the pulley system. So this is where we start talking about the universal exercise unit and the pulleys, basically the, the affectionately known as the cage. The cage is something that gives a therapist tons of extra hands and is super versatile. So we're going to work with the pulley systems in the form of reflex integration. So here we're really using it to strengthen the muscles because we're using weights. So it's anywhere from, you know, 0.5 pounds all the way up to six pounds and six pounds on a pulley system is actually really heavy. I, I don't know, Brooklyn, if you remember trying the pulley system out and how much that actually felt. No, I, I do 100% remember that. I remember feeling a little checked in place maybe because it was quite a bit uh, different than I thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, most of the kids, you know, max out at that three pounds for kind of an eight year old. And if you're using anything more than that, it, it is quite a bit of weight and you have to be fairly strong for it. So mm -hmm. using those pulley systems to help integrate those reflexes, and it's predominantly um, the brainstem reflexes is what we're working on in the cage. So that asymmetric tonic neck reflex, the tonic labyrinth reflex, and the symmetric neck tonic reflex. So those three that really affect the muscle tone as well. Mm -hmm. So then once we move from there, so with that too, we sometimes use what we call like um, arm and leg immobilizers. So for children who are very much stuck in flexion, we'll use extensor immobilizers to help really integrate a lot of those reflexes. You don't have to fight and use too many hands. We'll also use sandbags as well to help anchor down limbs and give more proprioceptive input as well rather than just having a hand and holding and forcing because a lot of these children also have a lot of memories and trauma from you know repetitive hospital visits as well so mm -hmm. being held down by hands isn't always the best course of action because it has that negative connotation yeah. these kids have a lot of I want to say almost near perfect recall for some of these things especially the more negative experiences mm -hmm. so trying to use different tools to achieve the same task and it's amazing what similar to like a weighted blanket obviously it's a little bit heavier and it's more localized so you obviously have to be careful when placing sandbags on something like the trunk the belly the chest those are areas we tend to stay away from but extremities you pretty much have free reign as long as you're watching kinematics and that sort of thing but to help integrate those reflexes so once we've kind of moved on from the pulley system side of things, that's when we would introduce 
the Therasuit. Keep in mind, you could have the Therasuit on the entire time, but from the Messel Prep on, you can put the Therasuit on, only if it's going to be beneficial. So the Therasuit is designed to help, I guess, be more against gravity and hold you upright and that sort of thing. So lying down with it is not always the most comfortable either. It is a stiffer suit, like we said, and it's got little hooks everywhere. So if you have somebody who you're worried about skin breakdown and that sort of thing, you probably wouldn't have them lying down in it, but standing in it would be totally okay. And then from putting on the Therasuit, then we can use the Spider. So the Spider is, I think, a lot of kids' favorite. It's, it's like a bigger jolly jumper. So there's bungee cords that attach to a belt that's wrapped around. And you can do this in or out of the Therasuit. And you can kind of jump up and down. It just basically takes away a little bit of gravity. So you can add gravity as well, though, which is kind of the cool component to this uh, universal exercise unit or the cage, is you can bungee them down to the floor to give them more input so they can jump up and get pulled mm -hmm. right back down. So there's a few different cool ways in which we can use that um, universal exercise unit. And then kind of the last component would be kind of that overground training component outside of the cage or even in the cage still and doing just different functional tasks and playing and and all that kind of stuff so the therasuit itself can be melded with a lot of different components throughout the session but it would be used kind of after that muscle prep on so that's kind of a summary of a session I hope that kind of made sense <laughs> yeah it did oh yeah for sure yeah Cool. So that's kind of the Therasuit method. And yeah, like I said, it's designed to be that intensive programming. And then you would kind of repeat that intensive programming as needed, but typically that three to four times a year. You could do that two, three weeks of intensive work and then go home, keep that carryover. And that's where if the parent is willing and learns how to do the setup, they could actually get a Therasuit uh, as well mm. and put it on their child at home. Okay. It is a little bit more cumbersome to set up, so I know a lot of parents will opt for easier options that are not as technical based for the uh, setup. So there's stuff like the Benick vest or like compression wear that's just like a single um, shirt you pull on or something like that. But it just depends on what's working best for your child and what's going to give them the maximal uh, input to optimize where you're trying to go. So whether they're wearing the compression wear or having an at-home Thera suit, how often would they wear these kind of suits at home? Depending on the child, obviously. Yes, it obviously yeah always goes back to the uniqueness of the child. But in general, it, it would be a daily thing. Mm -hmm. How long is how long the child's going to tolerate it? Some kids will wear it, you know, 23 hours a day and absolutely love it. We tend to shy away from... During sleep and nap times, we try and, you know, remove that for that time just because of implications with breathing and restricting, you know, chest muscles, abdominal muscles, right? So that's a time in which I would tend to say don't leave it on through that, especially if we're concerned about any sort of skin breakdown as well. So pressure sores, pressure points, mm -hmm. and just the comfort level too, right? With the softer suits, it would be easier just to let them sleep and stuff in it. But I would still tend to shy away from it just because we want them to be able to freely move and explore during their sleep as well. Mm -hmm. But it can be, you know, up to that six to eight hours a day. Like some kids will wear it all day at school kind of thing. But then again, you know, it's up to each child. If they're responding well to it, you would use it more often. Could you possibly wear it for too long? 
Yeah, so if you're starting to get that negative reaction from the child, they're getting irritable, they're getting, you know, angry, they're acting out, it just means that they're overstimulated, they've had too much, and they need it off, right? So it's not just that they're behaving badly, it's they're trying to tell you something, you're not listening, Mm -hmm. and now you're having that negative reaction. And that's something we want to try and stay away from as well. Because if you start having that negative association with whatever they're wearing, right, it's always respecting the child, right? Yeah. When I'm working with a child, I'm like, I understand this is hard. I know you're working really hard. Let's do, you know, three more repetitions or five more minutes, and then we'll take it off. Mm -hmm. Right? It's always, you know, asking them, telling them, talking to them, they're ultimately the leader of what you're whatever you're doing right? Because it is their body. Yep, for sure. So then let's circle back to Brooklyn's question earlier of, is there certain conditions or diagnoses and or certain ages that kids would benefit from the TheraSuit and the TheraSuit method? Yeah, so the TheraSuit itself comes in, I think about six different sizes currently. It starts from about the size of a typical like a neurotypical like 18 month old so basically it's size dependent but the therasuit method itself can be used as young as like six months old because it's that reflex integration it's that cage mm-hmm. pulley system work but the therasuit has to be it has to fit right so if it doesn't fit you really can't use it <laughs> In terms of conditions, so um, cerebral palsy is a very big one. Um, Developmental delays, developmental coordination delays, traumatic brain injuries, stroke. So a lot of our kids that get lumped into the cerebral palsy diagnosis actually have had strokes in utero or, you know, just post-birth. So that's a big one. So this being said, it can be used on adults as well. There is an adult size limited by the size of the adult though so if you're too big and don't fit in the suit unfortunately it won't work well mm-hmm. anybody who has you know hypertonicity hypotonicity so that's high tone or low tone mm-hmm. really a lot of sensory processing disorders it can be useful for as well it has been used for spina bifida spinal cord injury down syndrome that's much less research the first ones i listed off are the ones that have been proven and studied over and over and over again. But in terms of if you're working on any sort of trunk activation stabilization, the suit will definitely help. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's great information. And I think it's really cool to see exactly how this suit works. And if you're listening and you don't know what the suit looks like, take a look on our Instagram. We post lots of videos of our little kiddos in the TheraSuit. Okay, Nancy, you told us a little bit about who this TheraSuit is good for. That being said, who would not be eligible for using this TheraSuit? And can you still use the method? And if so, what limitations are there with that? Mm-hmm, great question. So there are a few contraindications to using the suit. So if you have severe osteoporosis, the reason behind that being is because it is a compressive garment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. because you're creating those lines of pull, you can actually create like micro fractures if the bone density is too low. So osteoporosis mm-hmm. is just a really low bone density. So being aware that children who aren't typically developing, so haven't been hitting their milestones, aren't weight bearing, are at higher risk. So you always want to get physician clearance before you start any of these programs and be aware of the risks Mm -hmm. um, associated with this. 
Also, if you have severe scoliosis, that also because you can make it worse, right? So you can create compounding issues by loading and pulling because we know scoliosis is three-dimensional, right? So it impacts your breathing, your rib cage, it impacts all of that. So by now compressing that in that rotated position, you can actually cause more damage, right? So you really want to know where they at with their scoliosis curve. And so when we say severe scoliosis, that's typically greater than that 25 to 30% of a curve. Okay, we don't want to be loading that axial um, skeleton. So that's basically your spine, you don't want to be loading. So you wouldn't give trunk muscles, you wouldn't give back muscles. However, you could still do leg muscles, right? So there is little workarounds, but to be aware and to know when to refer as well, right? So partner up with uh, a provider who does work with scoliosis or refer them on to maybe they need to see the surgeon or get a brace or some sort of other thing as well. For adults, it's contraindicated for pregnancy. So if you have a female adult who's pregnant, you wouldn't be using the suit because it increases blood pressure. So just the compressive forces, when we talked about that fight or flight response, it raises your blood pressure. So they say just putting on the suit itself, if you've got any sort of sensory processing disorder or dysregulation. So when Bean talked about her feeling like she had to focus on her breathing, we know just by her physiologic changes, so that increased uh, breathing rate, that increased heart rate, her blood pressure is going up. So they say 10 to 20 millimeters of mercury, which is pretty substantial. So with Bean, it's a special case because it brings her back to a baseline of a neurotypical non-spinal cord injury peer, because we know spinal cord injury drops you about that amount, that 10 to 20 millimeters of mercury. So it brings her back up. So not as much of a concern, but for the neurotypical population, or even those that we know the blood pressure doesn't deviate from their peers, it would be going up that 10 to 20 millimeters of mercury, which is significant. So that's also why we start seeing that red flush of the face, that blood pressure is going up. So it's always something to be aware of and to watch. And then you put the muscles on and then it's going to go even higher because now we're giving even more input and the body's like, do I run? Do I stay? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And then progressive genetic or metabolic disorders, just not being fully aware of the potential complications, contraindications. So basically, it's not discounting them, but go do your research, talk to the doctors, talk to their physician, Mm -hmm. understand, would this be something based on this is what the TheraSuit does, could they be eligible for it or not? If you're ever not certain, go go do research, go talk to other professionals and you make the decision together. It always has to be an informed decision. Don't just be like, oh, well, they came to me with this hypertonicity, so this high tone, and we're going to just jump in and use the suit. You have to know the whole story. Mm-hmm. So those are the contraindications of like, okay, full stop go do your homework, send them back for something else. You can still use the rest of the method, but not the suit. And then the precautions, so hypertension. So if they already have high blood pressure and we know them to have high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. you need to know what's the cause, right? Why do they have that high blood pressure? Is it something like a narrowing of arteries or is it a lifestyle thing if you're older or is it a congenital deformity, right? What's the risk? Is it they could stroke out if we raise the blood pressure too much or are they going to develop some other complication 
Um, or if, if they have shunts, right? So if they have any sort of shunts in their brain, are we going to create a buildup of fluid and mm. potentially cause that irreversible brain damage even more, right? So it's understanding all of the precautions and making that educated, informed decision of this might not be the best child for the suit. Maybe there's something else we can use that's not going to raise the blood pressure quite as much. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these precautions are just strictly related around that rise in blood pressure, increase in the physiologic response to having the suit on, right? So heart conditions, right? Know what's the heart rate doing? Where, how are they responding to that suit? So it's not that you can't put the suit on for the precautions, it's let's monitor you closely and really understand what is is the risk uh, lower than the benefit, right? Is the benefit outweighing the risk? Yeah. Seizure disorders, right? So in terms of the body of the suit, the body of the suit's usually okay, but in terms of if you have a tonic-clonic like that grand mal classic seizure activity, we don't want to impede any movement of the limbs, which may lead to a dislocated shoulder, and now the suit is holding it out of position or something like that, right? So we're really... Not too worried about stuff like the absence seizures. There's really not any uh, contraindications about that. So it's that kind of like blank stare. Mm-hmm. Um, little head drop seizures wouldn't impact it too much unless you're using the hat, right? So the hat of the suit you might not use with those individuals. Or you might in terms of helping control that head from just dropping and banging against their chest or something like that. So understanding the different conditions is going to be like huge to that. Yeah. And then another precaution would be hip subluxation. So hip dysplasia. If you're out of the socket kind of greater than that 50%, you're not wanting to put the suit on because the suit, a lot of the times in really little kids, pulls them into that vertical alignment. And what happens with the vertical alignment, so that just means uh, feet underneath uh, shoulders, is the hip joint. Um, If you think about, it's a ball and socket joint, but it's angled. So the wider the feet are apart, the more the hip sits in the socket. The closer the feet are underneath you, the more the hip can actually get pushed out of socket. So if you have now corrected alignment with somebody who has hip dysplasia, you're actually pushing the hips further out of socket. Mm-hmm. So that's something just to be aware of as well. So if you have minimal hip subluxation, you'd work a lot more into standing in abduction with the suit on so if you can achieve that that's great but if you can't that would be something to be like oh i'm a little bit worried that we might not be using the fair suit on this specific child are we still doing good we're still following along yep (laughs) yeah we're with (laughs) you cool um just a few more precautions so poor bone density so you're not at the stage of severe osteoporosis yet but it's something where we just need to know that there is a little bit of a fracture risk. We might not be doing repetitive bouncing or jumping, but mm. the loading will actually be good for bone density because we can actually help increase it. Right. Right. So it's just picking and choosing what's going to work best. Kidney problems. So just in terms of that blood pressure again, right, uh, depends on what the kidney issue is. But just be aware if there is any sort of kidney damage or kidney congenital issues, that's something to just ask about and be aware of. It's not necessarily going to rule you out completely, but it will change kind of how we approach our method. So there really is a lot to know beforehand before you decide to move ahead with the TheraSuit and the TheraSuit method. Yeah, and that's why we have all these screening questions, right? So if you've ever come into Reu and we ask you a whole bunch of questions in the beginning, this is why, right? It's not that we're not going to be able to use a TheraSuit, but it definitely guides us in our thought process of, Who is this going to be beneficial for? What's the risk? What's the benefit? And where can we go from here to best help your child? 
So for anybody who's uh, applying the Therasuit and Therasuit method, they should be being screened for all of these contraindications and precautions beforehand. And that just gives you the confidence that they do understand what the therapy is. They know what the suit is doing and they're, you know, fully committed to the safety of your child. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll just kind of summarize it up. So there's, like you said, a lot of contraindications, a lot of precautions, but that being said, there are a lot of benefits to the suit as well. So the main goals of the TheraSuit are to support the weak structure. So that could be a weak posture, like poor trunk control, poor pelvis control. So that's number one. Number two is to give resistance. So that's deep proprioceptive input, mm-hmm. which further helps strengthen not only the muscles, but the proprioceptive system and vestibular system as well. Number three is the inhibition of pathological synergies, patterns, and movements. So all that basically means in layman's terms is the baby infant reflexes. Mm. So we're creating new pathways, we're reprogramming, we're repatterning. And number four, so the facilitation of the new proper synergy patterns. So three and four are kind of happening simultaneously. Basically, by putting on the TheraSuit and doing the method, we're together integrating reflexes and we're promoting new brain pathways, more neuroplasticity. And then five kind of summarizes it all up is integrating those primitive reflexes. Mm -hmm. So those goals kind of all tie back together and they're kind of all happening simultaneously. It's not kind of a step by step by step is it's all going together to meet the child where they're at and push them ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any other modalities or therapies that work well with a TheraSuit other than the reflex integration? Yeah, so I mean... Most people will see through our programming at Ryu, it's a blend. It's a blend of a few different types of therapies. But the suit is basically for postural control, postural strength, and activation of muscles underneath. So really, you can pair it with the classic physio. So whatever you're working on there, you can do it with DMI therapy, dynamic movement intervention therapy. There's a lot of different ways in which you can utilize it, as long as you understand the basic concepts of what is the TheraSuit method. So we see all types of families and stuff. And what would you say to parents who've been told that their child's diagnosis or symptoms can't improve? That's false. (laughs) I, I know Brooklyn will speak to this a little bit after, but I've seen kids blow away their doctors with where they've come from, where they've started. We've seen kids go from not walking to walking. We've seen kids that you know, have started lifting their head if more purposeful movement, more purposeful, like eye contact, that interaction. So I mean, there is always more that your child can do. We're just giving them the tools to be able to open up and communicate and interact with their world. Brooklyn, I don't know if you want to talk about this a little bit, even with the adults you work with. Mm-hmm. So this just brings us back to the whole neuro recovery itself, right? It's not just limited to um, kids, children, and the TheraSuit method, but in terms of neuro recovery. Oh, yeah, 100%. And even when you have clients come in, they, they might come in looking to just be able to sit up a little taller and not really thinking that they have the potential to regain some function or sensation below their level of injury. And you know, we say all the time at the Reu, like these little miracles happen every day. And it really is so true. You just see these clients be able to kick their legs for the first time or move their toes or stand up and all of these things. 
and you look back and you're like, wow, you've been here for X number of months. Look at how far you've come. And so many times I've had these conversations with clients where they're like, it's actually crazy to see the progression and to really experience that neuro recovery that they never thought was possible a good number of uh, the majority of time, I should say. Yeah, and it's and it's cool to see from regardless of how old you are or mm-hmm. where you're at chronologically, yeah. there is always changes to be made. And that's the cool thing about neuroplasticity is, you know, everybody says there's a window for especially for pediatric therapy. They're like from zero to six. That is your window. And it is a window of where we're going to get, you know, a ton of change really quick. And then there's a little bit of a tail off between that, you know, six until puberty, but, but then puberty hits and then we have another big jump. Mm-hmm. But it's not done once you hit the those two windows there's so much more beyond that and I think that's what people you know get stuck on these timelines and deadlines and if I don't do this by this time then it's you know I'm never going to get it well that's totally false yeah it Mm -hmm. just means your timeline is your own timeline and as long as you keep pushing you're still going to see these gains and these changes and to really I think the unique thing about our center is we believe beyond what you know is is I think scientifically possible and and that's really what makes the difference right is Mm -hmm. there's so much change going on and who are we to say that you can't do something right who am I to tell a parent no you your child's never going to do this your child's never going to do that I'm like how do I know right like your child is the one who's really gonna show off and show out and as long as people believe in them you're gonna get some serious gains and it's gonna be pretty cool to watch yeah there's so many people out there who are already telling people that your child's not going to do this or you aren't going to do this or do that ever again after your injury or after your whatever brain injury or whatever the trauma has to happens to be. I think it's important that at our center, we remain diligent in believing in people and really talking about potential instead of limitations and really working on that model of recovery versus compensation because there's so much recovery that is possible. Even if you're 20 years post-injury or you know, you've had CP for 26 years, that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from the neuroplasticity and the changes that you'll see. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one reason why I personally really love neuro recovery is we don't know we don't have the answer of how fast or how soon like uh, you'll come back and it's always kind of interesting in that sense that you're always seeing something new that maybe you didn't expect and the client didn't expect and it uh, really gives you a little bit of extra motivation to see what's the next step like what's our next milestone we're working towards mm-hmm. yeah and I mean it is kind of crazy like I mean I've had uh, a child that went from really not being mobile to army crawling in two weeks. And well, do you think I could replicate that with the next child? Well, no, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. It's just like what we did. I don't know some, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, it worked and that's Mm -hmm. great. And we're like, okay, wish I would have recorded all those sessions to be like, what (laughs) was it in there? But really what it was is his brain figured out a plus B equals C. And now I can go there. Right. So whatever it was clicked for him. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for those light bulb moments of now it clicked that's great. And let's keep moving with it. Yeah. So there's nothing like magical about the therapy. It's really just trying to give as many tools to the child as we can to really help speed up whatever progress they're going to achieve and attain. Yeah, I think we're doing a great job of it. (laughs) A little bit biased, but whatever. (laughs) 
as we've been saying since we started this podcast, since before we even started Reu, like neuroplasticity is real, neuro recovery is real, and it hasn't been studied enough, which is why we don't we don't see it in the mainstream medical system yet. But we hope to really change that. We hope that by recording episodes like this and by sharing all of this information, that we're able to really get get it out there to the people who need it. And um, if you are a family that's struggling or if you're a person with a disability that's struggling or don't know where to turn to, please reach out to us and we will try to do what we can to help you. Brooklyn, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. We really loved having your input and you'll be a guest on another episode as well. So we won't say goodbye. We're going to say see you later. And thanks for coming. Thanks for being on our podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for having me. It was nice to learn a little bit more. Awesome. And again, Nancy, I mean, your brain is just brilliant. And Mm -hmm. I'm super grateful to have you as my business partner and as the other half of Ryu. And yeah, thank you for, I mean, introducing us to the Therasuit and uh, for all of your knowledge. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. And I mean, I think just to the parents out there, like the Therasuit is just one other tool that you can put in your toolbox that can help your child uh, achieve, you know, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions. If it's not right for your child, that's okay. This is just more information arms you to be the best educated for your child that you can be. Very well said. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.